Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. So there really are two subjects that um, make people uncomfortable in church settings. Um, One is talking about money. And the other is talking about the gift of tongues. We're not talking about money today. So let me pray, and uh, we'll see what the Bible has to say. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is true, every single part of your word. And we know when it comes to this subject and other related spiritual gifts, there has been misuse. There has been lots of confusion done in your name. And... um, it rightly makes people nervous and um, makes them not want to dive into the subject. And yet you have uh, much to say about the subject. So we pray that we would be uh, attentive to your word and we would be persuaded by your word and not by bad experience, no experience, um, or just worst case scenarios. Lord, we, we ask that we would see um, what, what's the purpose of this unique gift and the other gifts that you have? And uh, Lord, we, we thank you uh, that you're not a God of confusion or disorder in any way. And uh, we just pray this would be a helpful teaching from your word today. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now that everybody's awake, let's dive in. If you have a Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 this is your first Sunday, you are coming in near the tail end of a series on spiritual gifts. And so I've built a lot of fences over um, this series, and I'll, I'll try to build a few more. Um, but you're coming into a, a, a bit of a, a subject that has a lot of strong opinions. Um, probably one of the more polarizing subjects in the Bible um, or in, you know, in Christianity as a, as a whole. So we're going to kind of carefully wade into this subject, and we're going to do so by jumping into 1 Corinthians 14. And by way of context, chapters 12, 13, and 14 are written by the Apostle Paul, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit. He wrote to the Corinthian Christians, and Uh, It's called, the whole letter is called an occasional letter. So he was writing to answer very specific questions that they were asking. One of their questions had to do with all of the spiritual gifts that were happening in their gathered church. And he's systematically answering that question. So if this is kind of a new subject to you, um, we are a church that believes that the spiritual gifts have continued. They have not ceased. And so therefore, um, we need to understand uh, what the Bible has to say about them, how, how to use them, how not to use them. And if you want to learn more about this subject, you can go to our YouTube channel. Last week I made a case from 1 Corinthians 13 of why um, we are persuaded that the spiritual gifts have continued uh, for today. So that's what we're going to dive into. We're going to start at, at verse 1 and work our way through um, verse 19. And kind of big picture, the spiritual gifts that God gives us, and he gives us a whole variety of gifts. Some seem really commonplace. They don't make us nervous. Gifts like serving, gifts like mercy, help, 
generosity, teaching, leadership. And then other gifts would fall into the more, we might say, more spectacular gifts that are revelations from God, that are uh, gifts of prophecy that we're going to look at today, and then a gift of language as well. All of these gifts are given by God to be a blessing to the church, not to cause confusion, to actually help the church of Jesus Christ be able to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. And so that's the context and that's what we're gonna jump into. So the first point today from the passage is when the church gathers, we must seek the gifts that build up the church. When the church gathers. So the context of chapter 14 is the gathered local church. Look at verses one through five. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation or comfort. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now listen to this. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. It's Apostle Paul saying that. But even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be build up. So let's, let's underscore some things. First um, thing is verse one, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. One of our prayers for this entire series is that the gifts that God has given you as a believer in Jesus would be stirred up. That you would want to use those gifts even more so than you did when you first met Jesus. No matter what local church you're a part of, no matter what ministry you are a part of, that you would use the gifts that God has given you. And you would ask the Lord for more gifts. Lord, I want everything you have for me to be a blessing to fellow believers and to fulfill the mission of reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. So that, if you remember anything, that would be the big thing. So if you are a Christian, you have been gifted by God. There is no doubt about that. You can see that for yourself in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now today, he's at the tail end of this um, section on spiritual gifts. He's getting into two particular gifts, and they are the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. And both of these gifts were, were being um, used and maybe misused to some degree in the church in Corinth, and he's bringing some very detailed instructions. So we're going to we're going to kind of look at them one by one. The first gift we're going to look at is the gift of prophecy. So verse one again, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue that can literally be translated a language, speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. In other words, if I speak in a language you do not know, you do not understand me. That can be of a known language or an unknown language. But if you do not speak Spanish and I speak to you in Spanish, you have no idea what I'm talking about because you have not learned the language. 
But the gift of prophecy is different because you're speaking in the, the native tongue. So then he says, for no one understands him, but he utters the mysteries of God. On the other hand, he who prophesies, so, so we're first going to see before we look at what it is, here's the purpose of the gift of prophecy. The one who prophesies speaks for the upbuilding or the edification, the encouragement or the comfort, the consolation of the church. So when someone operates in the gift of prophecy, the goal is this, the upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation or comfort of the church. Now, if you're familiar with this subject at all, there's, there's been lots of, of stuff said and written about the gift of prophecy. Some um, believe that prophecy and preaching are the same thing. I, I think that, that is a weak argument because if you look at it in the context of the New Testament, you'll see there was a clear distinction between people that were prophesying and people that were teaching. So the question is, what is the gift of prophecy? We see in Acts 2, we're not going to turn there, but you can look uh, for your, yourself that the, both the gift of prophecy and tongues um, that showed up at Pentecost was a fulfillment of a prophecy in the book of Joel. And in the New Testament, the gift of prophecy, um, I believe, is different than what we see of the Old Testament prophets. So I, I like this definition. I, I think this came from, from Wayne Grudem. Um, New Testament prophecy is best understood as a non-authoritative, specific revelation from God through a Christian with the purpose of building up the church. You could be like, I have no idea what that means. Uh, here's what it means. So God speaks to a Christian in a specific way. We see this in the book of Acts. You can write this down, Acts chapter 11. Agabus, he prophesies to Paul that he's going to be imprisoned. Well, in Acts 11, he prophesies of a famine. And then Acts 21, he prophesies that Paul will be in prison. Both those things uh, turned out to be true. So he, they weren't the Bible. They were something that the Holy Spirit moved upon the Apostle Paul, or upon Agabus to say, as, as a, a care and a comfort and encouragement uh, with the famine to prepare and with the imprisonment as as a warning of what awaited. Now, they're non-authoritative. What's interesting about Agabus's warning in Acts, um, in the book of Acts in, in chapter 21, is Paul was willing to suffer and die for Jesus. So he heard the warning from Agabus. It actually turned out to be true. Some of the details weren't exactly the same, but the, but the, the big idea was there. And the apostle Paul still went and he was in prison, and he was not afraid to die. And so um, he did not sin by going against what Agabus said. It, it actually turned out to be true. But Agabus had heard from the Holy Spirit in a specific way, and, and he used that gift. That, that's what happens um, when the church gathers. That's what we pray for, that God would speak through his authoritative word, and he would speak through his people. Now, when he speaks through his people, and we'll talk about this more in a moment, it's always subject to be tested by the 66 books of the Bible. So it's non-authoritative. It sits under the Bible. One of the other benefits of prophecy, we see this in 1 Corinthians 14. 
uh, verses 24 and 25 is this. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. And the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So it's a gift where God stirs an individual man or woman, teenager, puts a particular idea in their mind that they did not have, and it's, the purpose is to encourage and build up or bring comfort. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, the, the Baptist English pastor who actually did not believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the spectacular gifts, existed, uh, he felt they, they ceased. He actually experienced the gift of prophecy on numerous occasions as he preached. This is what he says in his biography. You can look it up in his autobiography on page 227. He says this, I could tell as many as a dozen similar cases in which I pointed at somebody in the hall, in the, the, the hall where he was preaching, without having the slightest knowledge of the person or any idea that what I said was right, except that I believed I was moved by the Spirit to say it. And so striking has been my description that the persons have gone away and said to their friends, quote, come see a man that told me all things that I ever did. Beyond a doubt, he may have been sent, he must have been sent by God to my soul or else he could not have described me so exactly. And maybe you have experienced that. Somebody's praying for you. Somebody shares something um, with you. And you know they have no reason or no idea to know what they know. Other than the Holy Spirit spoke to them. Um, our friend uh, Scott Rising, who is church planner in For the City Church um, in Greensburg, he had been praying and planning to, to plan a church for quite some time. He and his wife have been praying and planning, but uh, at the early stages, they just weren't free to talk to people about it yet. And um, they, were, they were planning and praying, and a few of us knew, but a lot of people didn't know. And um, Jess, Scott's wife, was going for a walk in her neighborhood with one of her friends. And uh, the friend basically said, the, the Lord told me that you're moving to Greensburg to plant a church. Um, she didn't get that in the Bible. She got that from the Holy Spirit. And the effect of that was a huge encouragement and confirmation from the Lord for Scott and Jess to plant a church. They didn't start there. That's not what led them there, but it was, is what really helped them and encouraged them. That's the gift. It's one of the reasons uh, people have asked at times, why do, you, it, why do you have an open mic during the, the singing time of the service? Well, the reason we do is we want to be open to God speaking, not just through the pastor preaching or the worship leader leading, but through his body, through his people. And that could be through the public reading of scripture. That could be through exhortation, calling people to things. That could be through the gift of prophecy. And so it's one we, we continue to do because we, wanna, we see it in the New Testament and we want to be open to it. Now that, I know for some of you, makes you nervous. Uh, 
and understand that. And oftentimes, the reason we get nervous about those things is because of bad experiences. So let me just throw out some of our, our guide rails uh, for the gift of prophecy um, before we move to, to the gift of tongues. So the, I think where people get into trouble with the gift of prophecy is when they have a low view of this book. So if you have a high view of this book, believing that every single word of the Bible is true. It's our absolute standard. So then anything else is subject to this book. So if somebody shares an impression from the Lord, it's not adding to Scripture. It's being evaluated by Scripture. The Bible is the standard, the litmus test of is, if what is being said is true or not true. Does it contradict the Bible or is it within uh, the scope of biblical revelation? And so we hold to that. And, and the other thing we're going to see next week is in this section of 1 Corinthians 14, uh, Paul is very clear that when the church gathers, there shouldn't be confusion. There shouldn't be disorder. It's one of the reasons we, we are led by a plurality of pastors, number of pastors lead this church. And so we take our responsibility with the, the public sharing from the ministry, Mike. That's why a pastor's up here to help you kind of think through it and talk through it. And also to make sure that, that something being said isn't contradicting what God clearly says in his word. So we want to seek the gift. We want to use it in its proper place. And we want to make sure that it's in keeping with God's word. Now, if you have that gift, which I know, I believe a number of you do, the best thing you can do to steward that gift is study God's word. And that way it will help you discern what, what's from the Lord and, and what's just my own, own thoughts. But what we see in the book of Acts, what we've seen through church history at, at particular times is God really uses the gift of prophecy to, to strengthen, build up, and encourage the church. So whatever gifts God has, we want to pursue those gifts. So if you have questions about the gift of prophecy, we want to talk to you about that. A, a really helpful book recommendation on the gift of prophecy is a book by Wayne Grudem, um, I believe entitled The Gift of Prophecy. Not a very creative title, but gets, gets the point. So you can check that out, but please ask us. But, but for most people, as I talk to different Christians in our church and other churches, this gift doesn't usually make people as uncomfortable as the gift of tongues. Um, can make people a little uncomfortable, but not near as uncomfortable. So let's dive into the more uncomfortable gift, which is point two. When the church gathers, we must carefully follow the Bible's instruction on the use and practice of of the gift of tongues. One of the reasons I love the Bible is because of how honest it is. L listen to this verse from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 23. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speaks in tongues and an outsider or an unbeliever enters, will they not say you are out of your minds? Yes, they will. Yes, they have. Yes, you have. Yes, I have. 
Um, I love the honesty. So what was happening in, in the Corinthian church is people that had the gift of tongues were elevating it as like the gift. And they were in some ways seemed, seemed to be flaunting it as the gift. And what the Apostle Paul is going to, to do is he's going to put that gift in its proper place and context. It's not the gift. It is a gift, but it is not the gift. So look at verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 14 again. Pursue love. He underscores that whether you are excited about spiritual gifts or nervous and cautious, pursue the love of Christ and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue, that literally means a language, speaks not to men, but to God. So it's Godward speech. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Now here gives one of the purposes of the gift of tongues, this language gift. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, means it encourages the individual believer. The private use of this language gift is intended to build up the individual Christian. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now this is where some tension happens in verse 5. So what Paul's doing, he's, he's addressing a bunch of groups that are probably pretty representative of the room right now or those watching online. He's, he's, he's trying to help those who are super excited about tongues and making everything uncomfortable. And he's also trying to care for and help those that don't want anything to do with it. And so he's going to be pushing on both groups at times. Verse 5, he's going to push on those of you who are, who are reluctant. Now I want you all to speak in tongues in this language gift, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. If I speak in a language, whether it's a heavenly language or a known language, and you do not know it, it does not help you. That's, that's his point. Now, brothers, if, so, if I come speaking to you in tongues, how will I benefit you unless you bring Someone brings you a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching. I was going to use two illustrations. If even a lifeless instrument, such as a flute or a harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? So he's equating a language you do not know to uh, indistinct notes that, that make no sense to you. And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourself... If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, meaning the hearer can't understand, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking to the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of a language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So pick, pick whatever language that exists in the world, if the speaker knows the language and you do not, they cannot interact in an intelligible way. That's his point. So with yourself, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building up of the church. 
Okay, so that's a lot of stuff. Here's his point. In the New Testament, the gift of tongues um, shows up first in the book of Acts at Pentecost. So those who believe the gifts continue say that, and those who believe the gifts have ceased say that. In the book of Acts in chapter 2, what was happening is the the, um, disciples and the larger disciples of Christ, probably about 120 people, were gathered in a room, in an upper room, and the Holy Spirit was poured out, and they began to speak in known languages of their day. And because it was Pentecost, people had traveled from all over the world, so people were hearing praises to God in their own language. So it would be like a room full of international students, and the worship team, suddenly each of them starts singing songs, one in German, one in Russian, one in Japanese, and they're hearing praises to God. So they're real languages that were known. And so that shows up in the book of Acts several times as the gospel is being preached. And then in Corinthians, Paul introduces, I believe, a second kind of, of tongues that he, he refers to as a heavenly language, a, a language that God gives that is not a known language on this earth. And you, can, might, you might be thinking, well, that, that messes with some categories in my mind. I think one of the things that helps me is one, it, it seems to be clearly taught in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. But, but think about all the things that you believe as a Christian that do not fit into your mind neatly. You worship and follow a God who has had no beginning. No beginning. You worship and follow a God who has created everything that you see out of nothing, just by speaking. Um, You worship and follow a God who made you in a moment in time spiritually alive when you were spiritually dead. You worship and follow a, a God who sent his son Jesus, who was perfect, fully God, fully man, died as a substitute for our sins, was buried in the ground or in a, in a grave, and rose from the grave. You worship a God who's going to return for his bride one day in all power and glory. You, so there's a ton of things that do not fit neatly into a box if you are a Christian. We, we walk by faith and we, we believe what God has revealed in his word. So what's harder to believe? God created a squirrel by speaking or he gave some extra language gifts to people. Um, God created uh, the galaxies and all the solar systems by speaking or he, he gives some additional gifts so that when people are perplexed and burdened with this life, they are somehow miraculously built up from the inside out. I want you to be, like all subjects that we teach on, we want you to be persuaded that this is something is in the Bible that God has for you. And keep in, in, in remembrance that though we're talking about tongues and prophecy right now, we have spent a series talking about all the different gifts that God gives. And this gift, the gift of languages or 
the gift of prophecy. They're, they're not like super special gifts. They're, they're just part of the gifts. Gift of prophecy, Paul underscores because it has this unique building up of the entire body of Christ. But we want to keep them in their, their proper context. And God's love, God's favor in your life isn't based on what, what particular gifts he has given you. It's based on how much he sacrificed and bled and died for you. And so you can be assured of his love no matter what gifts or limitations he has placed in your life. But to underscore that a little bit, we're going to do a little reverse here in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Just to underscore the fact that if you are in Christ, you are very gifted by the Lord. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. A varieties of service, but the same Lord. A variety of activities, but is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's the purpose. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues or languages, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. In other words, I remember praying this when I, when I was a new Christian at, at the age of 19 or 20. Lord, I want whatever gifts you have for me that I can serve you and serve your people, whatever they are. And so he determines what we receive. We don't determine what we receive, but we can ask. And when we ask, we're asking a God who is generous, who is lavish, who will keep giving gifts that are a blessing um, maybe to us personally and to the wider body of Christ. So what is the purpose of the gift of tongues? The gift of tongues is given to build up the individual Christian. And if there is a translation, the gift of interpretation, it can be given to build up the church as well. So let's kind of jump into that a little bit more. So look in your Bibles at 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to go to um, verse 4 real quick, and then we'll jump down to verse 13. But in verse 4, again, if you could put that up, Robert, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. In other words, God gives a language gift or gifts that he imparts a gift to individual Christians that has this unique building up of the individual Christian. Not every Christian has that gift, but, but many Christians do receive that gift. And that gift um, is used to really strengthen the individual Christian, which is why in verse 5, the Apostle Paul says, now I want you all to speak in tongues, to have this language gift. So, so Paul was was really desirous that Christians would experience this benefit. 
Now, I think one of the things that keeps people from pursuing this particular gift, if we're absolutely honest, is bad experiences with being at gatherings where where people um, didn't follow the biblical instructions for the gift of tongues, which says clearly that we'll see in a moment that if there's no interpreter, you shouldn't speak in the gathered context. And so it, it, it rightly turns people off. Um, not to mention certain Christian television shows where you just see kind of chaos happening and it, it makes no sense. It, we have the same effect that the Apostle Paul said that it's unintelligible. It has no benefit. Now, as a new believer, I didn't have maybe what a number of you here have of any kind of church experience, negative or positive, about the gift of tongues when I I trusted in Christ. I just began to read the Bible, and I remember reading this and then starting to talk to other Christians about it. And some told me, oh, this gift is not for today, and some told me this gift is for today. So that led me to pray, Lord, if it's for today and you think it's for my good and it really will build me up, would you please give me this gift? And so I've experienced this language gift many, many times in my Christian life. The first time I experienced it, I was at IUP. I was an RA. I was in charge of a floor and a a horrific event had happened with a student um, who had been sinned against. And it just bothered me so much. I was just grieved for the, the young lady. I was grieved for the situation. I was grieved for the brokenness that was all around um, that the Lord had just rescued me out of. And I remember I was sitting in the Oak Grove, just overwhelmed by the kind of the lostness of college students who didn't know the Lord and um, just praying to the Lord, Lord, what? I don't know what to do. I want everybody to know you. And I'm my heart's just broken for them. And I just began to speak in a language that I did not know. And I remember God's spirit just filling me with his spirit, with his presence. And um, I didn't know what was happening exactly. I didn't even at that moment ask. I'd asked earlier. And really from that time on, over the years, I've been able to experience that gift. And that gift has really helped strengthen me as a Christian. I remember early on um, when my wife Mary was ready to deliver our firstborn Isaac. We were in um, the hospital. She was in labor all day. And things, were, things just went awry. And she had to have an emergency C-section. And it was like, you know those baby classes, they tell you what to do and how to prepare. Everything went out the window. And you could see by the look on the doctor's face, like this is really serious. We're going to the operating room. Um, your, your wife could die, your, your son could die. And I remember masking up, putting everything on, putting my scrubs on. And I just quietly prayed in this heavenly language that God has given. Um, as I'm sitting or standing outside of the operating room waiting for them to invite me in, And God's presence and peace came upon me in a very powerful way. Um, Nobody heard it. Nobody knew it was happening. Um, I experienced this personal edification. That has continued through through my life. That has continued through uh, my, my pastoral ministry for the past 17 years. 
You don't hear me do that in church because the Bible says not to, unless there's an interpreter. But I can remember at times where our church had gone through some really difficult things, and, and I would just pray with my mind, and I would pray in a, in a prayer language that the Lord had given me, and I would really be at total peace and trust in the Lord in an unexplained supernatural way to a degree where some of you would say, oh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Really? Am, no, but how are you really doing? I'm, I'm really doing well. I, I really am doing okay. Not because it's not hard, but because the Lord had encouraged me. He encouraged me through the study of his word, which I, I do um, pretty much every day as a Christian, and through this gift that is a gift, but it's to be used in its proper context. So I am a firm believer that it is a gift. It's a gift to be asked for. I think it does really do what, what the Apostle Paul said it does, which is to build up the Christian. What's interesting in 1 Corinthians 14, um, later on Paul says, by the way, I, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He's telling the Corinthians who are flaunting their gifts, he's like, he's like the, the old school guy. He's like, you know what, by the way, I actually do this a lot more than all of you. I just don't boast about it. I don't, I don't draw attention to myself about it, which makes sense to me because if you read what the Apostle Paul's life was like, um, it was just one difficulty after another as he sought to introduce people to the Lord. So it's no surprise to me that one of the ways God strengthened him was by giving him a heavenly language to be built up and strengthened by. Now here's the cautious part. So, so I'm pushing on two different things. Be open to all the gifts that God would have. But if you have this gift, follow the instructions. Read the instructions before use. Just like anything else that, that could be a great thing or could cause a lot of problems. Because this is also true, much harm, chaos, and damage has been done in charismatic churches due to a failure to heed the instructions that are, I think, crystal clear in 1 Corinthians. We're going to look a little bit of that now and then more next week. So let's just quickly read 1 Corinthians 14, um, 13 through 19, and then we'll pick it up again next week. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. So if he's going to do it in public, pray for interpretation. That's a whole other conversation. But it is a thing according to the Apostle Paul. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit. So that's that language gift. You can sing, you can pray. But I will sing with my mind also. We're, we're always to engage our mind. Otherwise... If you give thanks with your spirit, how can you, how can anyone in the, that position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? In other words, if, you, if, if someone's praying in this language gift and using it and you're listening, they, they can't join in with you because they have no idea what you're saying and they're just freaked out about it. So, so if you have that gift, follow the instructions. It's a very loving thing to do to follow the instructions, particularly with this gift 
that really does tempt people to, to fear, to, to not want anything to do with the Lord. So use the gift with caution. Uh, verse 19. Or verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. He's not, not ashamed of that at all. Verse 19, nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. The Apostle Paul, before he met Jesus, was a trained Pharisee, Jewish Pharisee. So he was skilled and pointing out that from the Old Testament, Jesus was the promised Messiah. And so if you would have heard him talk and teach, I don't think we would have heard him speak in tongues. We would have heard him expound the Old Testament over and over and over again, pointing to Jesus. Um, because that builds up the gathered church. Um, which is why he says, nevertheless, in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So whatever gifts we have, we want to use them for the good of others. So if you have this language gift, unless there's an interpreter, it's between you and the Lord and should be used between you and the Lord. And no matter what the gifts, where I want to end here is by remembering what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that we can have all these incredible gifts, but if the love of God is not what compels us, then it's all for nothing. So let's have the band come up. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, um, 1 through 7, and then we'll, we'll pray and sing. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men... And of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have all the prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have nothing, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Let's all stand and we'll pray and then we'll sing. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the clarity of your word. Thank you for the the call to love, that we have been recipients of undeserved and unimaginable love. And no matter where we are on this particular subject, Lord, may the love of Christ abound in our hearts towards one another. And particularly as we go to our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, may we represent you well uh, to those who don't yet know you. And may the effect be that many, many, many would come to know you. We love you and we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.